the Cutaways Podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Justine. And we are a weekly podcast about romantic comedies through the ages. Yeah, we're watching them. We're yeah, we've we've watched we've watched a lot. A lot of them are really good and a lot well, most of them were kind of bad. Yeah, but we've learned a lot. We've learned a lot about life, love, a little bit of editing. Yeah. So even though if you say like a lot of them were bad, I still at this point I wouldn't like judge a romantic comedy just based off of the genre. Oh no, definitely not. A lot of them that I say were bad didn't quite have the story structure. It's the plot more than anything, but the ones that are really good have all of those elements that are great for movies outside of the genre. It's not the genre that we don't like, it's the plots. <laughs> Make better plots. Yeah. And like, I don't know, we like ones where there are fully fleshed out female characters, things like oh, that. You well, know? just to characters in general. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, we've, we really like harped when the male characters were very thin mm-hmm. and how that was like, ah, yeah, we had these really great female characters, but also the guys were kind of like lame and annoying. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely an experience. So come on, come on in the journey with us. <laughs> hashtag come on the journey come on the journey with my midwestern accent well today we're doing another flashback we're going to the year 1969 which i don't think we watched any movies from 1969 really i think we watched 68 and then like 72 i want to say we watched funny girl in 1968 and then harold and maude in 1971 Okay. So sandwiched in between those, we are watching Hello, Dolly. Hello, Dolly. We got more Barbara. Yeah. It's really surprising to me that I haven't watched this one because I'm like for sure positive that my sister has watched this a million times because we are a household of you know, uh, musicals. musicals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just, that's how you communicated in life was you sang to your parents. Yep. You broke out in song when you were having an existential crisis. All the time. (laughs) I like this version. (laughs) Angsty Justine became a really awesome character. Star of my own musical. You should write a musical about Angsty Justine. Okay. I'm down with this. (laughs) I will help you. Why won't my mom let me shave my legs? (laughs) (laughs) Because you are still too young. But everyone else is. But when you get older, you'll realize that it is a horrible thing that you are doing. (laughs) And you will want to stop. (laughs) And I have. (laughs) So have I. Let me tell you about this movie. It's not about leg hair. (laughs) In fact, I bet you $10 we won't see any bare legs at all. I don't know, though. I'm just basing it off of stills I've seen. (laughs) I can assume that, yes. Here's the description from Netflix, our favorite place to watch movies. (laughs) We are not sponsored by Netflix in any way, shape, or form. The views of this program do not. (laughs) Sorry. Okay, go ahead. The views of the commentators do not reflect the (laughs) program. Composer Jerry Herman's Tony-winning musical lands on the big screen in an outsized production featuring Barbara Streisand as matchmaker Dolly Levi. The end. That's it? 
That doesn't give you anything. Also, I didn't know. I don't know yet if her name is Levi or Levy. I I, I made a choice. What? <laughs> <laughs> the description is it is a Tony winning musical. Now it's a movie and it stars, it stars Barbara, Barbara Streisand. <laughs> but she plays a matchmaker. Matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. I love that. <laughs> I love Fiddler. Oh my God. I would watch that movie like on repeat. This movie stars Barbara Streisand, who we watched in Funny Girl. Walter Matthau, who we watched in Charade. Oh yeah. And Michael Crawford. Who, when I typed up that name, I was like, oh, it's the Phantom of the Opera is here. <laughs> He's in Hello, Dolly. <laughs> He's in your mind. It's the original Phantom. I know. Michael Crawford. Michael Crawford. Michael Crawford and Barbara Streisand. Oh, it's Michael and Barbara. They were singing. <laughs> <laughs> At the opera. <laughs> the opera. Hello, Dolly. Hello, Dolly. So this movie was directed by Gene Kelly. Oh, I love Gene Kelly. Yeah, he kind of directed On the Town. Well, he directed the musical dance He's, scenes yeah, in On the Town. Yeah, such grand shots. Remember that? Like he was influential in the camera work? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he always loves how the camera can express dance. Yes, physical movement. Create the space. So I'm excited for that. Oh, yeah. This movie's rated G. <laughs> of course. For good times in the late 60s, where we're just ignoring all the turmoil. <laughs> Wink. <laughs> this uh, movie is two hours and 26 minutes, um, which I prepared by watching an even longer movie last night. Yes. <laughs> you guys bridge over the River Kwai. Yes. That's commitment, man. It was pretty good. Bridge on the River Kwai. Yes. I enjoyed it. Okay. I, I would also classify that as a romance because Sir Alec Guinness loved that bridge. He did love that he, bridge. He loved that bridge so much. <laughs> so hard. So hard. Like at the end of the movie, I was just like, damn, he loves that bridge. <laughs> They're really going to get married and have little bridge babies. He really loves that bridge. That, that's what I got out of that movie. It was just like, damn, that man loves that bridge. <laughs> To a degree that I first found creepy and then at the end came to accept and yeah. love and <laughs> cherish. <laughs> I hope to one day find a love <laughs> that is as strong as when Sir Alec Guinness loved that bridge on the River Kwai. <laughs> Relationship goals. <laughs> I one day hope that Sam will look at me like Sir Alec Guinness looks at that bridge. <laughs> In the arms of the <laughs> angels. <laughs> okay. Um, this movie, Hello Dolly, is rated three and a half stars on Netflix. Mm. There are lots of awards I have to read now. Do you want me to do half of them? I can do it. Okay. I can do I got a really bad case of the giggles, though. Because <laughs> of the bridge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's all I got out of that damn movie. <laughs> but I liked it in the end because I was just like, oh, he loves that bridge. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I wa We had to watch it in school. <sighs> I've only ever seen the part where it blows up. Spoiler alert. I yeah. Mean, it dies. 
You should know that's like the most cinematic shot of that whole movie that I've seen a million times mm-hmm. is the bridge blowing up. So I knew that they were going to be successful in the blowing up. I didn't know he was going to love it as much <laughs> as he did. Right. <laughs> it's like knowing in the end the Titanic sinks. Yeah. <laughs> but not knowing that you're going to lose Jack. Yeah, that's the journey. <laughs> that's what the movie was. Okay. I'm anyway, sorry. I'm stuck on. on that movie. We're going to do this movie. Do it. At the, at the 1970 Academy Awards, this film won Best Sound, Best Music Score, Best Art Direction, and was nominated for Best Film Editing, Best Cinematography, Best Costume Design, and Best Picture. At the 1970 BAFTAs, Barbara Streisand was nominated for Best Actress, and Walter Matthau was nominated for Best Actor. At the 1970 Golden Globe Awards... It was nominated for Best Supporting Actress in a Motion Picture, Best Actress in a Motion Picture Musical or Comedy, Best Director Motion Picture, and Best Motion Picture Musical or Comedy. No wins at the Golden Globes. Poor Golden Globes. Um, what do you think this movie is going to be about? I have no idea. I, I am assuming that she's going to be like the matchmaker who matches everybody else but forgets about herself. Oh, and then so she like, finds her love. Like... Amelie or Emma or Clueless? Yes. I'm assuming it's going to be a musical version of that. Musical Clueless. Musical Clueless, musical Emma. I'm down with that. I'm down with that. All right, you ready? Yeah. All right, let's go see Barbara. 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 Matchmaker, matchmaker, (laughs) make me a match. Turn your face away from the garish light of day. Turn your thoughts away. wasn't from this movie no but like michael crawford's such a gem (laughs) (laughs) the phantom of the opera i think michael crawford was my favorite oh he was adorable yeah okay first two things about this movie one Mm -hmm. i really want to watch wally yeah right now because this adds like a whole other knowing what the movie is about and knowing like all of the little the scenes themselves where that were inserted into Wally. Right. This is the movie that's in Wally yes. that he watches. Yes. It brings this whole other innocence to Wally. Mm-hmm. And this, like, I don't know. It gives this a whole other sense of wonder mm. to to the movie. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Yeah. It just really makes me want to watch it from that viewpoint now. And second of all, fuck Anaheim, California. Just no. Research was horrible, terribly heartbreaking. I, I'll I'll let you take that explanation. Me? Well, you can you can explain Barnaby. Okay. Just explain your love for Barnaby. Okay. So in this movie, is a character named Barnaby, and he's a beautiful little gem. He's and, a beautiful soul, and I loved him. And he was like the best dancer, and he was just all tiny and innocent. And yes. Wonderful. Yes. And we find out in real life, like... Ten years after this movie was released. He was murdered. Yeah. As a hate crime. Yeah. He was... Ugh, guard your ears if you're 
particularly sensitive, but he was stabbed a hundred times. Mm-hmm. And mutilated. And mutilated because he was bisexual. Yes, and he was... Uh, In the 70s. He was kidnapped. Uh, well, we, we assume that he was kidnapped coming out of a gay bar in Anaheim, California, where this guy took him home, stabbed him a bunch of times, mutilated his body um, as a hate crime. And he was only given four years, and it really makes me hate the justice system and fuck out Anaheim, California. And we're just a little tense. That was the last thing, like, we researched, and we're yeah. just like, ah! <laughs> yeah. Yes. It, it, but, like, it makes it so sad, because he, he was such a good presence within mm-hmm. the film. It's like, oh, look at what a, a star was kind of put out. Like, yeah, he did not have a big role in the film at all. He was second fiddle to Cornelius, who was the much bigger role. But to me, you know, especially in the dance sequences, he definitely stood out for, like, twirling the highest and doing the biggest leaps and jumps and just, like, he was a a smaller guy, but, like, he had an amazing dance movement quality. Yeah, and and he stole little instances from the stars, and he had just just that quality that you want in somebody. Like, you just, you just, the light was a little uh, less less now yeah the world is a little sad fuck the 70s and hate crimes so here's the danny lockin yes we drink we drink to danny lockin today and all days okay let's move on from that yeah we had to get the depressing stuff out of the way because discussing the movie is just way too cutesy to talk about it afterwards it's like okay let's start with the depressing and then we'll make the people happy yeah 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 Ashley, what do you think about the casting of Walter Matthau? I felt like him and Barbara did not have the chemistry that I would want Mm -mm. between the two romantic leads. I thought Walter Matthau had these really great moments for the character, but he wasn't, he wasn't like charming or... He had a clunkiness to him. Yeah, I couldn't see him being all sweet and falling in love at all. He was just yeah. this grumpy Gus. And when he says he hates someone, I'm like, okay, you really hate them. Do you think that might come from our perception of him? It could. From Grumpy Old Men and Dennis the Menace? It could definitely come from that. Because... But I don't know. I feel like if he was playing the role, it, I don't know. He could have been directed or just... Something for the role to be much more open and have a possibility of sweetness, maybe? Yeah, I don't... I don't know. It's a it's a weird... Because when you take into consideration that this movie was being made before Funny Girl came out, Barbara Streisand was big on Broadway, but not in... She was not a household name. There was a huge conflict on set between Barbara and Walter Matthau because he thought that she had too big of an ego. I think he just had this because he was a bigger star. So at the time, he probably had this, you know how it is with some actors where it's just that ego driven kind of thing. And you want your your lead partner to be as big of a name as you are sometimes, but not bigger. Yeah. Where he was coming from, he probably was just like, who is this chick from Broadway? Like, who who is this that is going to, to be the lead in the movie and who is going to take all of these, 
these great moments away from my character. Yeah, and well, and we know Barbara is very assertive on set. Yes. So there's probably a lot of friction there because he probably was thinking, oh, this person, she she doesn't know anything kind of thing where I'm a movie star. I know what I like. I know what we need to be doing. Yeah. What are you asking these questions about? What You don't need to know this. And it's like, well, from Barbara's perspective, it's good for her to know that. It's good for her to know where, as a Broadway, coming from Broadway and a stage actor, you always want to know where certain things are and how certain things kind of work. Yeah, so so they had on-set tensions, and Walter Matthau wouldn't even be, like, anywhere near Barbara Streisand unless they were in a scene together Yeah, he wouldn't filming. even do rehearsals. Yeah. It was so bad that he wouldn't do rehearsals. And it's like, why? Yeah. Why would you be that? Like, I I never really understood, like, an actor's mentality in that, that aspect. If you're going to be working with someone, you sh- especially on a romantic comedy where everything is a little light and, you know, there's supposed to be a fun aspect to it, it just doesn't necessarily... And, and there are moments in the movie where you can tell. And maybe that was just played up because their characters were going through this kind of frictiony thing. I could tell with Walter Matthau. I couldn't really tell from Barbara. I don't know who I don't know the actor that was in um Sound of Music, but you know the guy? Mm-hmm. He was like this real tough military guy. Yeah. But you see like he had like the capability to love. Yeah. He had that little underneath the surface and you're like, Ooh. Yeah, that the best word I can think of that preciousness. You understand why this person is very hard and grumpy on the outside, but you see the underneath where it's just this preciousness. Yeah. I don't know. So I think bad casting. Because it was a studio who did the casting. They wanted this to happen. They wanted Barbara because of Funny Girl. Funny Girl was a huge success even before like a lot of people talked about funny girl in the film community before it was even released from my understanding of it because it's just so huge mm-hmm. um and then walter Matthau was very big in the comedy community oh yeah at that time so they wanted if it's going to be a romantic comedy and it's a musical let's have one of the biggest names in comedy so it's just a casting of popularity rather than of chemistry and character i think yeah nowadays they would you know screen test the roles together see if they have chemistry yeah because that's very important for a romantic comedy because if the chemistry is not there the the romance is very unbelievable right and And yeah i think that's that's what i think let's say if you had i know we talk about cary grant a lot but cary grant's character in his girl friday he has that quality that you want. Like, you kind of hate him, but Dude, also yeah. you really love him. As soon as, like, his first scene, I was like, oh, they got to get together. Yeah. You want that. Mm-hmm. And with Walter Walter Matthau, I think if he would have played it with a bit more charm, a bit, like, I get the grumpiness, I get the gruff, but you also need to have that... Something appealing. Well, appealing for... Not just a marriage of convenience yeah. kind of thing. Because even if that's what they were going for, you still need this something. Right. Well, it's unfortunate that we discuss about this 
relationship in the movie not working for us. There were other relationships in the movie. Yes. That I think were working. Yes. My other point I want to talk about is the character of Dolly is cool because she's like a described as like she can get whatever she wants. She can do whatever she wants. She sets her minds on it. She can do she it. She can do it. Yeah. She's very independent. I mean, and maybe this is really why they wanted Barbara. It reminded me of a character that Fanny Bryce would play. Yeah. This very independent, strong-willed female character. Barbara takes it and just runs with it. And that's what I love. Like, there's so many similarities between this and Funny Girl. Yeah. That it almost kind of, like, lessens this a little bit more because Funny Girl is just so good. Yeah. That this just is like, okay, this is just number two. Like, did not live up. Barbara is Barbara is Fanny Bryce. And you can't necessarily separate the two of them completely. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, especially coming out right after Funny Girl, it makes that like, oh, you're going to associate Barbara with Funny Girl because that, that was her movie completely. Mm-hmm. Every scene had her in it, basically. Whereas this, it becomes less about Dolly and more about the, the rest of the cast a lot of the time. Yeah. Dolly is kind of like this mythical creature that kind of connects all of the little dots that everybody isn't seeing. Yeah. I like her. Oh, I loved her. I, I wish like it was a bit more fleshed out. I wish there were some elements in it that were where we could see... We could see her side of things rather than the uppity persona that she shows to everyone else. Like, I really wanted to see an aspect of Dolly on her, on her own where we could genuinely connect with her. Yeah, I feel like they tried to do that with that one Yeah, it just did. It, it, it missed. Yeah, I was like, I have no idea what she's singing about that, that one song. Something about love. Yeah, it was about trying to love again, but it just, it was it was either misplaced or... It just, you didn't have enough of that theme, like that theme of her being on her own and keeping herself so locked up because she feels like she has to because she had already met the love of her life and she feels like she needs his approval. I wish there was like another really good nugget of that because I know Barbara can do stuff like that Mm -hmm. because there's those scenes in Funny Girl where you just, you feel her emotion just from the image that she's creating, nothing else. Yeah, I'd love to see Dolly fail and, like, get back up from it. Yeah, because you know she could. But keeping her up so high all the time just kind of creates, it it becomes a myth. She is not necessarily a full human being. Yeah. What did I say? I was like, I want to be a a Dolly. (laughs) Yes, you said I would be a Dolly. (laughs) The beginning of the movie is Dolly just handing out business cards, and that would be you. Yep. (laughs) I can do anything. Like, have you met my friend Ashley? <laughs> She's amazing. She has a dog. Look at the dog. Look at the dog. Look at the dog. Now look back up. <laughs> look at the dog. Look at Ashley. <laughs> Ashley's now edited your movie. Yeah. <laughs> you see this dog? <laughs> this dog has won Academy Awards. <laughs> we watch Hello, Dolly from 20th Century Fox. Oh, tell them how they built the set. This movie required new york 
obviously shooting in New York in 1960s was very expensive. You'd have to like scrub all the, like the homeless and yeah, it, you would need a huge porn. presence of police. <laughs> just you would need so many things. It's almost like filming in New York now. You just can't you can't get all the people out. Like there's still shots in movies where they have to digitally remove the people who are standing there watching the filming because they literally cannot move them. Well, probably New York was cleaner now. Yeah, New York is a little bit cleaner now because we have like public systems that help with that. But they built on the Fox lot the New York Fifth Avenue right there. Um, it increased the budget by about $10 million and it's still there today. It's still there. Yeah. They still, not all of it, a lot of, they changed it into, um, New York main street is what they call it now. I think. Yeah. It's be more generic. Yeah. It's a little, it's still New York. You still have, they've added the little subway areas, but this set was huge. Like the, the budget for the movie was originally only supposed to be $15 million. They had to add on an extra 10 just to build this set because the way that they wanted to do it was they wanted these big grand shots. It was very Gene Kelly. It was very much his style, even though he was working with a choreographer. To be honest, I don't I don't believe that that choreographer had to do very much because (laughs) because of what we know about Gene Kelly and how controlling Mm. he was of his sets and his dance numbers, even even though he's not in these, I really think that he still had that at heart kind of thing. With yeah. He wants to accentuate the dance. Well, and the choreographer broke his leg during rehearsals. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Good so, thing you got Gene Kelly. Yeah. It's like, hey, yeah, Gene, I need you to direct and choreograph. He's like, okay. And five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A lot of what I read on the internet alludes to this being one of the last grand Hollywood musicals and you and, and making a, a stage musical into a musical movie correctly yeah um in this time for musicals I'm probably gonna get this all wrong but this kind of musical is on its way out because in the 70s, that's when you start getting rock musicals with yeah. Hair and Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah, musicals themselves even started changing. There's something about when they make these grand, these amazing Broadway musicals into movies where they just fall short. <laughs> you talk about it a lot more than I do. And I have to preface it, most of the musicals that I have seen have been their movie form because that was the only way that I could see them. I know. I feel so bad. I make you so angry. No, it's not making me angry. It just kind of is like, I wish that that wasn't the case. I wish that New York would share. That's pretty much what it is. Like, yeah. I wish they would share their musical scene or 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 just expand it to make it so that it's easier for local companies to do things like Death Death West does mm. here. Like I wish that was easier around the country. I really I loved and have always loved like the old school movie musicals. Like they're just there's something about them that just feels right. Like what we were watching the video about how Gene Kelly utilized the camera to kind of create a faux third like space mm-hmm. um, to add that element of dance so that you really understood. 
Whereas now it's like we're always cutting on action. So we don't get to see that full movement. So we don't get that full feeling of space. When you're trying to convey in a musical, which which dance is interpreting a specific emotion or creating a metaphor. Yeah. Because a lot of people complain about musicals being turned into movies like Chicago. I remember when Chicago came out and people were pissed. Chicago was great, though. Chicago was great as like a musical because it utilized certain elements that worked. Yeah, and it did the whole, this is the play portion, this yeah. is the movie portion. They they were like, okay, people don't like musicals anymore, but this is just a part of her little fantasy. So yeah. they, like, did it that way. Yeah. Chicago did a really good job of, like, bringing that into it, but people were still really mad that certain songs were cut or that they didn't utilize the full breadth of the character. Like, they cut some of the character development out. You know what I don't like? I don't like when they write an entirely new song just so they could do the Academy Award nomination. Yeah. <laughs> they did that in Les Mis. Oh, they did. Yeah. I forgot about that. Oh, I forgot about like how horrible Les Mis was. Like the reaction to it. Yeah. Like this is a this is the biggest musical in the world. This is like the one that means so much to every Every Broadway star, like, everybody loves Les Mis. If you like musicals, you love Les Mis. And they took it, and one, who they cast for certain roles didn't work. (laughs) Uh, Which we all know who I'm talking about there. And Russell Crowe. Oh, yeah. Amanda Seyfried. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Russell Crowe kind of takes the cake on that, though. Um, He kind of saved her for worst performance in the movie. And also kind (laughs) of... It's that popularity casting Helena Bonham Carter, although I don't know anybody else. I liked her. It it does fit the role, but she's doing the same... Sorry, she's doing her Sweeney Todd singing in Sasha I liked her and I liked Sasha Baron. Like, I liked them in the roles that they had. But, like, when you cast, like, the famous people, they're coming as the famous people, yeah. and they're not embodying the role. Like, no, every other person on Broadway takes it and embodies the role. Like, Lin-Manuel Miranda isn't Hamilton anymore. Yeah. He's got somebody else as yeah. Hamilton. They have to be Hamilton. You yeah. Know? They have to have that that qual- that embodiment quality. I think that also might be why we are not necessarily inclined to like Walter Matthau's performance, too, because it didn't. He was himself. Yeah. He wasn't anything about that character. You know what I like about Barbara's singing style in these in Funny Girl and this movie? I like when she like laughs sings. Yes. It's amazing that she can laugh and sing at the same time to me. I'm just like, I love it every time she does I it. I love her snark. Mm-hmm. I love it. Like she just she can do deadpan comedy so well. And the way she can flow from talking to singing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, comedy needs to stop doing this kind of thing where they're like, we need the next Barbara Streisand. It's like, no, we don't need the next Barbara Streisand. We've had Barbara. Let's go to somebody else. Yeah. Like, reinvent it. Like, do what Barbara did at the time, which is reinventing the way that you see a theater comedian. Where you don't have, she's not a stand-up comedian. She's she's a performer. She's an actor, an actress, and but she understands comedy. She understands how certain deliveries change the emotion of what she's saying. 
I don't. What is that? The last five years. Oh yes. If you say something, I I texted my sister. I said I saw the last five years, and she's like, they ruined. Oh, the last five years I didn't like. Yeah, my sister's like, no, they ruined it turning into a movie. The play is so much better. <laughs> well, yeah, it's it's like the Hollywoodization of musicals is is that every scene has to be grand. Every scene has to be big. And the music, every song has to be huge. And we lose that intimacy. Whereas in the theater, we have it because we're right there with the, the actor. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. take away that. Yeah, it could be on the theater. It could be a big number with lots of props and choreography and lots of actors in it or it could just be one actor on a stage with just one light on them and everything else is blackness yes like we had it with funny girl well i mean it's it's interesting for me because it's psychology it's it's psychological it's not it's not something that anybody does on purpose it's just it's the way that your mind works Mm -hmm. that makes it so like fascinating for me yeah, when you go to the theater and you see a show, it's a little, let's, we're playing pretend. Yes. You know, we're not in an actual room. We're in half of a room and, you know, we've got chairs. And- it's like our window mm-hmm. into everything. Whereas when you're watching a movie, you're dictated on what you're allowed to see. Yeah, and here. You're being told the story rather than experiencing the story. Or rather than having a window into the story almost. Here, we, it, it, with the movie, you have a pane of glass between you. In the theater, you don't. It's an open window. Yeah. Does that make more I think that makes more sense. It's being, it's having a physical connection with the stage and an actor and a character. You don't have that same relationship. It's, it's just, it becomes this pane of glass that prevents it. Everything becomes different the way that your mind reacts to it because you can't interact with it. Whereas audiences, audiences are often encouraged to interact in certain musicals and certain plays. Yes. So it becomes that that whole thing where how can a movie do that? And I think I liked Gene Kelly's idea, which was having things come towards the camera because it gives you that. Like you're actually dancing with them. Yes. Because like, you are the camera. Yes. It, it, you have that music, that movement, that flow you are experiencing it even if it is still a flat image you are it gives you the sense that you are there it's it's fascinating for me yeah we just show up at people's parties and we're like did you say musical theater (laughs) let me tell you (laughs) (sighs) remember when we were just talking about how man loves a bridge (laughs) (laughs) that's bridgest So this is 1890 New York, this movie is. I told you there'd be no bare legs. There are no bare legs. But this takes place before Funny Girl. And we start out with this freeze frame, and it did this really weird optical, it was like a bubble effect. Yeah, it was really weird. They they played the overture, and you're just, you're stuck on a freeze frame, and they're changing the colors of things. And it's like... Is this uh is this movie starting? Like I I get what they were trying to do that this is like during for the credits. You know this is post West Side Story and they did color changes in the West Side Story. Oh okay. Credit intro overture and that was better than this. It was just weird. It, it was like okay we're settling here. This is just your settling time, kind of thing. It just was weird. 
for this. Yeah, and it just, I really did not like that little bubble optical. No, that was a weird, it was like, I don't know what it was like. It was just this weird. It was like the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, but it also, it didn't, as it was like unfreezing everything, which is what they were trying to do with it, everything in the frame shifted. Yeah. Like, the photograph the photograph was pushed in a little bit and then the the actual frame of the cam like the uh movie the film was just further back than where your still frame camera it was really weird so call dolly dolly's the gal you should call for anything she's like angie on angie's list what is Angie's list? It's where you go to find people, like to fix your house, oh, to fix your roof, and I that know kind those of stuff. Commercials. To find babysitters, she, anything. She hands out business cards, and she's going to Yonkers, where she's possibly going to matchmake with a millionaire. Matchmake herself. Yeah, it's, it's cute. It's a cute opening. And then, she's gonna go stalk this millionaire because she wants to. <laughs> That's pretty much how it is. But she has an appointment with him too. Yes to settle something that he needs settled it sounds like she's she badgered him so much until he finally was just like fine i need your services help me i feel like she does that with a lot of people but like befriends them yeah it, it, like what she does is what they actually want her to do it's just they didn't realize it until they realized it kind of thing like again she sees those dots before you do and connects them for you when you finally say yes. So Walter Matthau is Mr. Vandegelder. Vandegelder. And he has hired Dolly to prevent his niece from marrying an artist. Oh, God. Artists are the worst. So the niece is upset. Upset that this is all happening. Um, There are two guys who work for Mr. Vandegelder. They are Cornelius and Bartleby. Bartleby. They're his clerk attendants bandegelder he owns this like feed store he's like yeah it's he's the champion feed store he's guy a grain, he's a grain 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 feed and like horse he has, meat no he had chickens he had chicken meat chickens horses and chickens yeah um so he promotes cornelius to chief clerk before he goes out of town because he's going to new york to plan to get married yeah i don't know why he promoted them because this is the first time they'll be in charge so they need official titles oh without a raise yeah that's him all right he wants a wife mr van de gelder van de gelder van de gelder he wants a wife to clean <laughs> yeah he just he's like his song he sings a whole damn song about it it was actually kind of like sweet in a way it wasn't from walter Matthau. i think it was more from barnaby and cornelius just their like sweet enthusiastic innocent addition to it that kind of was like okay we're gonna go along with this um we we want to be infatuated we want to be in love we want we want women not necessarily just to clean our houses, but... Yeah, these are two young lads who have never been outside of Yonkers, who never have lived life and never have touched a woman. <laughs> never have done anything with any type of woman. No, I don't think they've ever spoken to a woman. <laughs> they probably have, it just was like... Da -da, uh, da, uh, no. Have they even looked at a woman? They've never seen a woman's ankles. <laughs> nope. They've never seen any type of exposed skin. No wrist, nothing. <laughs> no. 
But they had this like very innocent quality to them. Really liked them. Yeah. I'd say they were the best things about this, in my opinion. I kind of wanted to get rid of the Walter Matthau and Dolly romance part of it. Mm -hmm. And have her focused in on helping them. Helping Cornelius and Bartleby go on their first adventure. Yeah. Because it's cute. Yeah, I wanted him to be, I wanted her to be like their Mushu. It's 1890 squeaky clean fun. Yeah. So like having Barbara Streisand as like the Mushu character of the movie would have been adorable. Shame on you. Shame on your cat. Shame on your whole family. But like that's that's like how I, I, I see her. She's like there to like initiate the adventure in the beginning, but then she completely like leaves it alone. Yeah. Like I, I just wanna cause she genuinely felt like yeah, she was helping people because there was monetary reasons behind it, but she did genuinely like helping people. She set up all these things to also gain for herself. Yes. A uh, husband. Yes. So Dolly shows up. She flirts with Van de Gelder a little bit. So she's disappointed that he's set on marrying someone else. This Irene Malone. She works in a millinery, yeah. which I have learned is a hat shop. Millinery is for women's hats. A haberdashery is for men's hats. Oh my god, it's called a haberdashery? Yes. I love hats. Dude, you worked on hat boxes. <gasps> they did say haberdashery. I didn't edit it. I watched So, so, so since um, he's so intent on marrying someone else, she like walks away and she's like, oh, never mind. I wanted to set up this. I wanted to set you up with this heiress, but whatever. And he's like, what, 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 what? <laughs> she's like, the word is heiress. <laughs> she's lying, of course. Well, yeah. You can tell. You, you always tell when she's lying. It's funny. Yeah. So then he leaves to go to New York, and then she sings a reprise of what he sang. The woman song. Yeah. But, like, her, hers is about changing a man. <laughs> or or about pushing a man. It's about, like, the woman behind the man and how she really has the power. Yes. Which I loved conniving Barbara. Yes. Loved it. But it's true. No, I loved this song. Like, when the reprise came, I'm like, oh, my God, I love this. I love utilizing, like, how she's taking what he's saying and being like, but actually, this is what's happening. Mm-hmm. And I just, I really liked that acknowledgement, especially, like, in the 70s, like, the late 60s and the 70s, like, that whole movement with feminism and stuff like that. It's like, oh, this is the stuff that, like, you just know what they used, like, to keep the thing got like, used as motivation. Yep. She also says the thing about the, the shutters at this time. Yeah, she's she has these moments where she talks to her dead husband. Mm-hmm. And so, if only this man had some taste, honey, you know, he should paint his shutters green. Forest green. Forest green. She, like, rounds the corner, and then she sees a ladder up into the niece's window and ambrose is on the ladder and he's like let's go elope we have to go right now your uncle just left we gotta go gotta go honey get down this ladder i don't know and dolly of course sticks her nose into it gets all up in it and sends them off to new york together says go to this restaurant at this time tell order 
a big chicken, say that you want the best table in the house, and tell him Dolly's coming. Mm-hmm. Dolly's coming back. And dance in the dance contest. <gasps> Do it. You'll win. Yep. Which, did we ever get a res- We never got a resolve of the dance contest. Nope. Spoiler. Anarchy. Yeah, it did. Simultaneously, down in the storeroom, Cornelius plots to finally live a life. They decide, since their boss is not there, they're going to sneakily take a day off by making the shop smell really bad. Mm-hmm. And they're going to go to New York and kiss a girl. Damn it. They're not going to come back until they kiss a girl for the first time. Yep. I'm 28 and three quarters and I just have to go. Kiss a lady. Kiss a girl. Out there, there Barnaby. <laughs> this is the song that, because I, I looked up why they use music from Hello, Dolly, and Wally. So this is the song that actually gave uh, Andrew Stratton the idea to use Hello, Dolly. He wanted to do it with like old school 20s music originally when he was originally writing it and then they were doing like little test animatics of it. It just didn't work. It came off too similar to these other movies that have done something similar with uh, utilizing old music over space. So he started investigating um, different musicals from different time periods and everything. And he had seen Hello, Dolly! and really liked it um, when he was younger. So he watched that. And then as soon as um, Cornelia says out there, he's like, that's it. That's that's what I need. This is the perfect thing. He also really liked the fact that it's a lesser known musical. It isn't huge. It's not big. And he didn't pick. He picked very specific songs mm-hmm. from it to show that this is how Wally is learning his emotion. And I can really see this is, again, why I really want to watch Wally, because it just adds this level of innocence because Cornelius is just so wonderfully yeah. innocent. He, he specifically picked all the Cornelius moments. Yes. For that specific, it's just like, oh, that's so great because it adds so much to Wally's character that he is learning how emotions work from this amazingly wonderful, innocent human being who just has this vibe of just adorableness to him. And he picked the other song. What is it? Mm, The one they sing in the park. Yeah. He picked that because he wanted, he had read somewhere that the most intimate thing that we do in public or that is seen as the most intimate thing is to hold hands. So as soon as when they start singing that song, as soon as he grabs her hand, he's like, okay, that we have to have for, for Wally because he's wanting to do that for Eve. Cause it's, it's an intimate thing. It's simple. And it's, it's not about sex or physical attraction. It's about the connection that you have on an emotional level mm-hmm. is what hand holding it signifies. Yeah, you can hold anybody's hand. Yes. And it's just, it's it's still intimate. Go do it with strangers on the street. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't. <laughs> There's a world beyond Yonkers. Barnaby. His voice. I love his voice, too. Yeah. Can you believe the studio was against his voice? Oh, fuck them. Like, it's, it's so perfect for the character. And I see exactly why Gene, because it... It's yeah. on this weird, unique level that we understand his character just based off of his his singing voice, based off of his his body language. We we get it. We get who this character is, and it's so unique, in a sense. For characters like Cornelius, I like the idea of not having this really strong 
singing like you don't want somebody who's perfect because that takes away their innocence somebody who's perfect is not necessarily innocent to me it doesn't come off that way it, it comes off more like Gaston from Beauty and the Beast he is a perfectionist so he should have this strong masculine voice whereas someone who is an innocent masculine figure it should be this kind of nervousness to it for the character for the movie it just works so they all take the train to new york i mean everybody everybody gets. oh my god put on your sunday clothes is just that whole sequence where they're walking down the street like oh my god i just saw oh that is that is like where all their budget went like it's just (laughs) there's so many extras and that that train they refurbished that train specifically for the movie. I love that sequence on the train. It was so well choreographed. I loved when choreography uses the space that it's mm-hmm. confined to. Yes, or not confined to. Like yeah. using the like the outside of the train, using the hats as like pieces to the train or or Yeah. And like moving side to side and back and forth and where you place the camera in respect to that. Mm-hmm. So we meet Minnie Faye and Miss Malloy, Miss Irene Malloy. Yes. They work at the millinery. They make ladies hats. And uh, Miss Malloy is the very same person that Mr. Van de Gelder. Van de Gelder. Van de Gelder. He's, he's going to, he has it in his head that he's going to marry Miss Malone. Miss yes. Malone knows this. They're not like engaged, engaged, but they're like pre-engaged. They're, they're in, like they're in talks. They're they're in, they're in uh, prenuptial agreements. They've like maybe sent letters. Yes, maybe have gone out once. Yeah, he's seen her around the the millinery. He has propositioned her. Yeah, but not proposed. But not proposed. Right. So, but these are also the two ladies that Dolly has sent the boys to. She told the boys, "Oh, she overheard them." their plans to go kiss girls and she's like well i know these two ladies these two single ladies these two single young available ladies who would be perfect Uh, these two ladies this place you should go see them at two o'clock no later than that you did not hear it from me (laughs) and then she leaves yep so the boys are outside the store and the girls are like oh my god there's boys they're gonna come in the store (laughs) i like the tall one so they come in the shop they flirt they want to take out the ladies, but they see Mr. Vandegelder coming to show up. With Dolly. So they hide. The boys hide. Barnaby hides under the table. Mm-hmm. And Cornelius hides in the closet. Yep. Dolly gets there and she's like, talks up Cornelius. Yes. To the ladies. And like, Mr. Vandegelder is like, what? My Cornelius? He never leaves. He sleeps. I have all of his money. He only has $148. Yep. And she's like, no, you don't know him. He's out. He talks to everybody. He's he's the toast of the town. He's a great guy. You don't know him at all. He leads a double life, sir. Mm-hmm. Oh, I loved the I loved this whole section with Dolly and her setting up like the little lies or just her snarkiness. I loved the snarkiness in this scene. It's revealed that the boys are hidden there and Mr. Van Gelder's very upset that they would be fraternizing with these gentlemen. And he essentially, like, breaks up with Miss Malone. Takes his chocolate peanuts away. Yeah, he gifted her chocolate-covered peanuts, the expensive kind, as he notes, and then just takes them back when he's like, What? You're seeing this man? This guy? This guy I know? No, lady. Maybe, yeah. Nope. 
leaving. You are not the woman I thought you were. Right. So then Dolly sets up a dinner date for the four of the youngsters there. Yes. To send them to the Harmonia Gardens, which is where she was sending the niece and the tall guy. Yes. And the artist. The niece and the artist. That's the what we'll call them. And the artist. And Cornelius is like, I can't dance, even though he's been like two stepping all over this film. So Dolly hands him a card that says, Can Sh- teach the uh, 38 or 28 and three quarters shop clerk to dance. That's Dolly. She can do Dolly it. Dolly Levy. So she teaches them, and then everybody dances. Yeah, this whole bit is so cute. Yeah. I was thinking I got a very Mary Poppins vibe. Like, Dolly is Mary Poppins, and, like, she fixes everybody's lives. Yes, I wanted more of that. Like, I didn't want the romance between her and Walter Matthau because you got this general sense that she, she had the love of her life. He is now passed. And it hurts her, but she is dealing with it and coping with it by making sure that everyone else around her finds love. Mm -hmm. And she's okay with that. To me, I never felt like she needed another man. She wanted another man, though. She, like, one with the parade thing, she didn't... That's what she's saying and stuff. And it wasn't apparent until that moment. Yeah, like, in these bits, though, like, setting up her character, it's like, oh, you... She doesn't need a man. She may not necessarily even want a man because she's being told that she needs one, but she doesn't. Like, I think that's might be where I think we could probably make this movie better now if we take out the romance part for her. So it's like adult Mary Poppins. Yeah. She shows up all magical, fixes everybody together. And goes on her way. Bye, I'm gonna fly away. Yeah. Well, it is this part where we find out that she misses her husband when they're like, come on, you gotta hurry up, Dolly, before the parade passes by. She's yeah. like, before the parade passes by, nobody loves me. That's what it was like. Yeah. She says she wants to feel her heart coming alive again. Yeah. It was a little too short for me. The emotion was there, like, everything was there, but something about that whole scene just didn't play right. I don't know what it was. It was just this weird sense that something was missing you don't have a moment where her and walter Matthau are like that meet cute moment i think is what i'm thinking of you you're missing that so there is no inciting incident for her to be like oh this is what i want kind of thing like in the little mermaid how it's ariel seeing eric where she's like okay this is really what i want but they've known each other they have known but like that's what i'm saying i think is missing like, you don't have a moment where they're, like, sweet to one another. Oh, yeah. They don't have that at all. Well, I and I get that there was the onset tension and all that stuff. But even from a story standpoint, there is nothing that incites her, aside from seeing everybody else get to that to get together, which is normally her life. So it shouldn't necessarily incite this reaction. Before the parade. Oh, yeah. So she wants Ephraim to let her go and she wants to, him to deliver a sign. And then there's a parade. There's a really huge production parade. Oh, it was beautiful. It took them three days to shoot. On the Fox lot. And she apologizes to Mr. Vandegelder, who's in the parade, and tells him that the heiress will be waiting for him at dinner. 
Yes, at the, the Harmonium Gardens. The Harmonium Gardens. We also see she's got a friend who's an actress holding a pig. <laughs> yeah, she's on the pig, uh, the meat packing float with the baby oh. pig. Don't poor piggy. I'm gonna eat you. That's what that's what it was like, yep. right? Because yep. it was the meat packing. Yep. Um. So I think this ends Act One. Yes, this is the big show-stopping number. I want to say Act Two was very boring. Act Two was very thin boring well because it was like this is all the stuff that we set up in act one and we're gonna go about it very slowly like all of act two is the restaurant Mm -hmm. and then the fallout from the restaurant that's it you can have a weak act two you still don't want to stall your story too much which i think we did that a little bit with um the elegance song mm-hmm. that wasn't pushing the story along because we already knew what these characters wanting and what want what they were going to achieve and where they were going yeah we didn't need that i really did like the park scene after the restaurant originally yes. in the play they are supposed to get arrested and on trial and that's where he's supposed to like declare his love was supposed to be on trial but they cut all that out and changed it to just be in a park that makes the fallout of the restaurant mean something, actually, with him getting arrested. Humans love stories. We love telling them. We love any type of aspect of storytelling. So when we find something that doesn't make any sense or doesn't have a purpose in that story, it gets to a point where it's just like, why are you telling me this? Or why why is this necessary? So it's it's interesting... And now that I know that, I'm like, oh, that would have been, it would have been more meaningful. It would have brought everybody back together. It would have just completely destroyed this happy-go-lucky kind of feeling. And everybody now has to deal with that. Dealing with a trial, which is normally, trial just incites drama. But that also is a really good inciting thing to add to your characters because that destroys anything that we had before. Mm-hmm. It becomes, he is no longer a character of innocence, which would have been really cool to explore in the movie. Why did this happen? Like, why Why is this, this doesn't make any sense. This is something that I can circle in the movie and say, this is not necessary. This should have been cut out. This should have been on the cutting room floor. You could have had the chase and then you could have cut out to them running and then you go into the park scene. Yeah, that would have actually been better. Had they stayed with the cast of characters running away instead of staying with Walter Matthau and Dolly? Because really, the movie is not about Mr. Vandegelder and Dolly. It is really not. Dolly is just the mythical Mary Poppins character. Yeah, she doesn't change. Neither one of those two change. Mm -mm. Really. It's the older generation helping the younger generation through life. I really love Cornelius and Barnaby's story of... They never had an adventure and now they, they've lived and they had this one adventure and damned it all if they did something wrong, though. Because really they had an adventure and they didn't really learn anything from that adventure. But they got kisses. Yeah, they got kisses and that's great and all. But at the end, when you go on an adventure, at least when you go on this grand thing, a you, life-changing adventure, you want to see that change. Right. You you try to go back to your everyday life, but you can't. can't. You don't yeah. fit in the same box anymore because you have changed. Yeah. 
Although Dolly does, it, it's through dialogue that they try and elicit a thing of change where Dolly says, you're going to ask him to come back. Yes, he wants to open his own shop, but you're not going to let him do that. You're going to ask him to come back and you're going to make him a partner. Mm-hmm. It cheapens it by doing it through dialogue. And then all the characters did drugs. <laughs> and then everybody died. They went to the big city. They did some drugs. <laughs> and then they had a dream about Mary Poppins. She, she fixed it all. Yeah. Okay, so to condense all the story elements in all of that, it's nighttime now. The boys wait for the women. They have no money. They don't want to tell the women they have no money. So the ladies show up and they say the most elegant way to travel is to walk, which is something I agree with. <laughs> so we see Dolly getting ready for the night and she's singing. This is the song that we said that didn't really work for us as like a a down moment for her yeah it's like her her questioning moment like her is this really what's good for me is this is this really what i want like i really do miss my husband i wasn't really sure what to get out of the scene well it was saying a lot of different things from what i remember it was just like her saying yeah this is what i want and this could be cool but oh i really miss my husband and but i am strong i can work through that it's like you're kind of confusing in what you're saying okay so we're at harmonia gardens we see miss simple is there the name that she made up Ephraniah simple is her actress friend she's waiting for walter Matthau to show up and have a horrible date with him of course um the couples all get seated all of our couples are there van de gelder shows up and the head waiter announces Dolly will be dining tonight. He gathers all the waiters and be like, listen, I heard from these people. Dolly. He's here. Dolly's coming tonight. tonight. So you are going to be amazing. <laughs> we know that you like your lightning service, but you're going to be double lightning service. Double lightning. Double lightning power. So they have dancing waiters. Oh, I love the dancing waiters. It reminded me of... um. The guys in in Moulin Rouge. (gasps) Yeah. It was like the same moves. Well, Gene Kelly did it first. That's right. So Cornelius wants to tell the truth to the ladies. And, you know, they he wanted an adventure. That's what he tells the ladies. I wanted an adventure, but I have no money. And she like smiles and is like, I knew all along. That's why I brought money because I work. I own a business and I got money. Girl, work. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, go get my money, little mini, mini. Yeah. Oh, I didn't, we didn't point out that it's actually really awesome that these two guys really like that the girls work. Yeah, that was one of the selling points. We're like, working girls. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, they were super excited about that when, uh, you know, they started. I, I, I get it. Oh, they're excited because it's any girl. But I don't think that that's what it's trying to say. It's like, oh, we really like how strong these girls are. Let's go. But oops, she brought the wrong purse, so they actually don't have any money with them. So he just pretends. Every time the bill comes, he's like, another bottle of champagne. So Miss Simple is having this terrible date with Mr. Vandegelder, and so she's like, well, I'm having the terrible time. I'm going to leave. Dolly's going to be here any minute, and you tell her something. Bye. I it's, don't like it's you. It's nine o'clock, Mr. Vandegelder. I have to go to bed. I don't like you. Bye. Bye. Yeah. 
Dolly arrives, and they all sing, Hello, Dolly. And our cameo of Louis Armstrong. Ah, Louis Armstrong. This is the last movie he was in. and He's, he's famous for, for this song. Yeah. He's in it for like three seconds. But he's amazing. Oh, yeah. He's the one who came up, who sings the, Hello, Dolly. Mm-hmm. That's Louis Armstrong. So there's this huge number with all the waiters. It's, it's a very huge number. She's wearing that heavy sequin dress. Four pounds. Um, so she sits at the table with Vandegelder. Vandegelder, he's like, I already ate. I'm leaving. She's like, no, 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 no. And then he's like, well, if you want to talk about marrying me, no, no, no. I have no intention of marrying you. You go your way. I'll go my way. I like how she pointed the same in direction. the same direction. Yeah, I think she was doing that like to him. Yeah. Like, she did it on purpose, but to get in his subconscious. Yes. She's good like that. She is good like that. And then there's a dance competition where she's a judge. Yep. It was like, two white guys and Dolly. She's she's the special guest. Mm-hmm. They love her. She, they do. So everyone dances. But then Vandegelder first sees Ambrose and his niece. Yes. And he's kind of angry about that. And then he sees Cornelius and Barnaby, and he's angry about that. So he, when he gets up furiously, he accidentally knocks his big bowl of whipped cream onto this guy. Yeah. He gets very, very angry and starts swinging, and there's this chase sequence and punching, and then the couples try to... Yeah, they try to leave. The, the, the two, uh, Cornelius... And Barnaby and their dates try to leave without paying, but the waiters like see this and they start chasing them. But uh, the niece and the artist, they're also trying to escape the uncle. So there's a lot of chasing going around. It's a huge chase sequence. Yeah. It somehow gets resolved. We don't really know. Yeah, I don't remember. Well, because it just kind of ends. It just cuts. Oh, yeah, because what's-his-face just falls off the pole and they're like, womp, womp. Yeah. And then it cuts to them outside. Them outside. Irene Malloy, she suggests that she just marry Vandegelder. Yeah, to get him his job back and get him out of everything. Yeah. See, this would have had more weight to it if there was that fallout. But like Cornelius is like, no, I declare my love for you, Miss Malloy. Yes, and this is the other song that is in Wally. Yeah. It's this, he's singing about that moment where he fell in love. Yeah. And then outside, Vandegelder is walking with Dolly, and Dolly, like, sings to him goodbye. Yeah. Steals his cane and his top hat. Mm-hmm. Uses her boa. So now we're all back in Yonkers. And Vandegelder is trying to run his store, but he realizes he fired everybody. Yeah, so he has to clean up by himself. <laughs> yeah. But luckily, everybody shows back up. And they're like, hey, Cornelius and Barnaby want their money because they're going to open their own feed store right across from his. And it was Dolly's idea. And right on cue, like Dolly shows up and be like, hey, did you know they're opening their own feed store? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Might not be good. And that's what you said. Yeah. She's like, you should make them partner. Yeah. Because he confesses that he's like, I don't want you to find me another woman to marry because I've already found her and it's you. This would have been 
much nicer in his delivery. Like, if he would have delivered that, like, with more compassion. Yeah, he was just like, I'm angry. I'm angry. You're the yeah. perfect woman for me. And I'm like, where did that come from? Yeah, it just comes out of nowhere. And he has no compassion behind it. It's just gruff. Yeah. But um, we get the, the sign from the dead husband, too, that he's painting the... The shutters force green and that all the money should be spread around like manure. Yeah, like her husband always said. Yeah. Yeah, though I do like he says a thing like, you, you're Dolly, you can do anything you want to do. Kind yeah. Of thing, which yeah. Which you can. And so, yeah, we got our Hello Dolly finale. And everybody's getting married. Everybody getting married. They sing all the songs. They get all the married. Getting that married next to the Hudson River. And then that's it. And it's over. And my one uh, trivia note was... Our favorite director, Stanley Donan, he um, was asked to do this movie, but he turned it down to do Bedazzled instead. I think he made a good choice. I agree. I think Gene Kelly did a really good job as a director. Yeah. Because he had to work with so many problems, and especially how horrible his actors were. It was nice. I, I, I did enjoy it. How horrible? Well, how horrible to each other. Yeah. So, would you like to rate this movie? No, we gotta play a game first. Oh, we're playing a game? We're a game. We're gonna play hashtag accurate. Because <laughs> our description sucked? Well, here is the description that's currently on Netflix. Composer Jerry Herman's Tony-winning musical lands on the big screen as an outsized production featuring Barbara Streisand as matchmaker Dolly Levy. And your hashtag accurate movie description is drum roll please (laughs) you can cut one in dolly levy is a vivacious new york city matchmaker out to make a buck and find love she sets in motion an adventure for two shop boys whose gruff boss just won't give a night off the two boys find magic and love in the lights of the big city yay (laughs) that sounds so cute i love the magic (laughs) The lights of the big city. Because they go, they leave their small town to go on an adventure. Yeah. It's so cute. Thank you. That was hashtag accurate. Yeah. (laughs) I like that game. Okay. Are you ready to rate Hello Dolly? Yes, I am. So I'm going to rate Hello Dolly four feather hats. Really? Yeah. Okay, I'm giving it an extra star because I really, really liked the B storyline. Like, mm-hmm. I really liked it. So that gets its own star on its own. The rest of it is the cast and the production value. Every, I think it's a really good... It's it's one of the last Hollywood musicals. It's It was pretty well done. There's just aspects of the story that I have problems with. Well, I give this movie two and a half swords. I enjoyed it. Well, I uh, meh. I thought it was meh. Okay, so next week we'll be watching another decently long movie. Are you ready? Is it about a bridge? No, it's not about a bridge. Oh. We're watching 1996's Jerry Maguire. Wow. It's about Tom Cruise. Jerry Maguire, I don't know, I don't remember if this is a movie I'm looking forward to or not looking forward to. I know I've accepted that I'm going to be watching it, but I think for a long time I was like, I don't want to see this movie. Jerry Maguire show me the money, right? Yeah. 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 I've seen most of this movie, and I absolutely love Cuba Gooding Jr. in this movie. Mm -hmm. I think he is hilarious, 
like as a comedian and also Renee Zellweger is wonderful. Yeah, I have seen nothing of this movie, I don't think, except for that show me the money scene, which mm-hmm. everybody plays everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. 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 This is one of those rom coms that I'm like, nope, no thank you. <laughs> so this podcast is funded by you, our patrons. If you would like to become a patron and help us, you know, monetarily on our podcast, you can please head over to patreon.com slash cutaways podcast and see what our goodies are. Yeah, you get stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can listen and download our episodes at thecutaways.com. Please leave us some comments, rate us, and subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. And you can also follow us on the social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as at Cutaways Podcast. That's it for us this week. So I think we're done. We're done. We're done. <laughs> we're leaving. We're going to our respective homes. Gosh. We're leaving our secret special place that we do the podcast. Batcave, but with Slumber Party and Painted Purple. Yes. And you can watch the movies on the big bat screen. Ooh, I like that. Mm-hmm. Ah, I like this. And there's a big popcorn machine. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. I'm down. And a sexy butler. As long as they're British. Yeah. Bye! Bye!